Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Grant's Interest Rate Observer Radio. With me today is uh, Evan Lorenz, known in these parts as the great Evan Lorenz for his analytical capacities and talents and uh, production. And uh, also at the controls is Eric Whitehead, who uh, runs the place. Uh, actually, Eric does. And I'm Jim Grant, and we are here uh, to tell you about uh, American finance, indeed world finance, uh, the whole shooting match. But not before a word from our sponsor, who is uh, me, actually. Now, no time is a bad time to subscribe to grants, but now just might be the best time. Now, when markets are making highs and volatility is, is plumbing lows and the SEC, in its wisdom, has waved through the first quadruple levered ETF. That's right, Evan, quadruple levered for four times the tracking error and four times the leverage and four times the disappointment. Grant says, uh, we are... Uh, the yes-but people. We are skeptics, doubters, first-guessers, uh, whether it's macroeconomic theory or a common stock or a subordinated adventure. Grants puts it to the analytical test. We publish every two weeks, 24 times a year. So visit our website and, and read for yourself and see for yourself. And uh, as we encourage every reader, uh, think for yourself. Subscribe to Grants. There's no time like the present. Evan, what do you make what do you make of this new ETF? Is this not uh, a sign of the times? It, it certainly is. We are, according to a Bank of America Merrill Lynch report, over the last 90 years, there's only been 3% of the time where the market has actually had lower volatility than today. So that's like roughly two years out of 90 years. So we're at a, this historically low period in volatility where people are putting up these uh, instruments that just magnify any kind of changes and magnify any kind of risk or blowups or any kind of hiccups or problems along the way. I mean... People forget just how little it takes to kind of shake the apple cart. Uh, in August of uh, 2015, a few U.S. Uh, stocks were halted in trading, and dozens and dozens of ETFs fell by 20% or more. Almost no stocks that day fell by 20% or more. But these are instruments where when liquidity vanishes, their price swings can be a magnitude of that. And the, 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 the ETFs that fell like 20% weren't the one time, uh, two times levered or the three times levered. They yeah, were just normal a, ETFs. Yeah, the, the dividend special ETF was one that had a rough day. Yeah, that, that, that was a, a supposedly low volatility ETF, one you buy for safety and it fell 20%. Well, um, I, 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 um, I read actually in, um, in almost daily grants that... Um, fabulous daily emission produced by uh, a fellow named Phil Grant, who was it's fine, my son. A little nepotism is fine. It's, it's too much nepotism to get you in trouble. But Phil writes uh, daily, or as he insists, almost daily. I think he takes Saturday off. And yesterday, he uh, reminded us that Ben S. Bernanke, PhD, himself was a guest on Squawk Box on CNBC, I think, on Monday. And uh, this was some appearance. And in it, uh, the former Federal Reserve Board chairman um, uh, took, uh, I think he took a, a, a kind of a end zone dance type bow. He was saying that um, uh, not so long ago, uh, people on shows like this, which if I were, by the way, if I were the head of Squawk Box, I might feel that was a little patronizing, but shows like this were saying, and now I quote, that we were going to be having hyperinflation and huge stock market bubbles and dollar collapse and all kinds of terrible things were going to be coming down the pipe. But in fact, it's gone pretty smoothly and on and on. So, well, one I, out of three ain't bad. We got the stock market bubble. Yeah. Well, if I, 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 I certainly would not presume to advise the um, former Fed chairman on his public affect, but it seems to me slightly premature to be taking a bow about uh, the, uh, the full... 
um, the full trade, that is, um, full monetary trade, that is, putting it on and taking it off. Putting it on was relatively easy, although I dare say it was uh, no, no easy thing for him or for the Federal Reserve Board, give him that credit. Putting it on, uh, however difficult it might have been, however personally harrowing the experience might have been for the chairman, I think it will rather pale compared to a, uh, a moment of truth still perhaps to come in which the Fed is seemingly committed to remove this uh, immense accommodation in the middle of some unscripted event. Now, there was a, a great uh, Frenchman of yesteryear, lived in the 19th century, called Friedrich Bastiat. And uh, Friedrich Bastiat uh, talked about uh, public policy, and he said that uh, there are two things you must consider. Uh, quote, uh, that which is seen and that which is unseen. And Chairman Bernanke, in enumerating the successes of his very own program, the program that uh, he extolled himself in his uh, somewhat grandi-eloquently titled memoir, uh, The Courage to Act, uh, the former chairman extolled this program then, and he extolled it on television. And the points he made in support of the uh, the claim that it has been a great success, the points he made had to do with those things that are seen. Let's say the stock market is not in a bubble. We can talk about that. I guess we will. But uh, certainly there's been no hyperinflation. Certainly there has been some measure, in fact, a great measure over many, many, many years of economic recovery. There's been uh, a measure of recovery in the labor market. All true. Those are things that are seen. But there are say, things that are unseen. And uh, one of these just might be uh, the, uh, I say, the uh, subversive effects of of, of uh, ultra-low interest rates and the expectation of more of the same. You mentioned uh, this, uh, this volatility business. You know, volatility has become a thing on Wall Street, Evan. It's, it's not just, a, it's not just a, uh, an, a theoretical concept in a finance textbook. It is a thing itself. There is a, a great VIX industry. And uh, what is so remarkable about uh, this measure of motion in finance is that uh, whether the measure is of realized volatility, as they call it, or anticipated volatility as it's traded, these measures are plumbing 10-year uh, lows. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that is an especially good or wholesome thing. Yeah, I believe on Monday, the VIX touched down to 9.9 .9 on intraday low, which is the lowest since February of 2007, if memory serves. And February of 2007 wasn't the greatest perspective time in the markets. Yeah, well, and, and uh, irony of ironies, the, uh, these measures of volatility are touching their lows during the administration of the man at Grant's that Grants has called the avatar of tail risk. The 45th president himself, Donald J. Trump, is presiding over the crushing of the VIX. Go figure. So, Evan, uh, we don't like to give away too much of the contents of Grants' interest rate observer because it's actually it's too precious to be broadcast on the air to just anybody. You must be a paid-up subscriber to partake fully of this Okay, magnificent, yes, magnificent brand. This is the proprietor talking. But I am prepared to ask you about your work on the Swiss National Bank, the publicly traded central bank in the, um, well, the formerly great financial center of the middle of, of Alpine Europe, Switzerland. I, I would say it's formerly because um, it, has been, it has been in a period of uh, 
most remarkable financial shenanigans, and perhaps you can tell us about some of them. The Swiss National Bank uh, has one basic policy mandate, and that is uh, price stability in Switzerland. And it tries to achieve it in the most curious way, which is basically buying foreign denominated assets in order to hold down the value of the Swiss franc. And it does this by printing Swiss francs. The amazing thing is if if you look at its balance sheet growth over since 2007, which is the start of the U.S. uh, Great Recession, their balance sheet was approximately 20% of of Swiss GDP. And if you look at the end of the first quarter, it's now 117% of uh, Swiss GDP. The curious thing here is if if you look at its footings, it, it actually looks like it's pretty well financed. Uh, It's levered less than 10 times to one versus the Federal Reserve, which as the last reading was levered 110 times to one. 111.6 as of the average for 2016. As of the average of 2016. But a lot of the the, the Swiss bank strength is um, that it marks its assets to market. It's been buying stocks. It's been buying bonds. It holds a fairly large pool of gold. Um, and it takes those marks and it basically writes them up to capital. So it's, it's capital's basically been a reflection of this huge asset market surge. The Fed, to its credit or to its detriment, does not market its assets to market. Um, it holds uh, securities at face value and, and a separate line item. It'll mark down the, the premium or discount that it purchased the bonds at. But basically, it, it holds everything steady. It does not show any volatility. Well, there's, there's, there, there are in this uh, Swiss National Bank's finances, there is the outline, the, uh, the liniment of... Um, of old-time classical central banking. In the day, uh, these central banks, uh, including the Bank of England, were stockholder-owned institutions. In the day, their financial presentation was meant to reflect the, either the strength of the currency that over which they were the steward or the anticipated strength if the bank continued to mind its P's and Q's. The Fed, in its uh, financial... It's, it's a shambles financially. The Fed, I think, is a, what we have said in grants, is, uh, is expressing through its own utterly discombobulated financial presentation, it's kind of expressing the chaos of present-day monetary arrangements, in my opinion. Uh, You know, floating exchange rates, manipulated exchange rates, uh, manipulated interest rates, and here I am sermonizing Evan when we were supposed to be informing. Let us us, um, leave the, um, the theme of lamentation, to which I am all too prone, um, and let us talk about a specific example of how um, present-day credit conditions perhaps flatter the underlying condition of the companies that do the borrowing. And I have in mind uh, a company called Sprint, telecommunications giant, uh, the fourth largest, uh, is it, in America? I, I believe so. Yeah, and uh, this featured in grants a while ago. I guess we can talk about it because, uh, you know, I, um, maybe word has gotten out. We're bearish on it. But tell us a little bit, Evan, about what happened. We, we speak uh, late Wednesday, if um, my calendar is correct. And today came news of uh, a loss of subscribers to Sprint. The stock price reacted and the bond price reacted, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah, so Sprint's in a price war with T-Mobile, um, AT&T, and Verizon. It's um, leading with um, unlimited data plans that are very, very competitive. If you're out to get a new cell phone, you might want to look at the Sprint plans. Despite nearly giving away these contracts, they lost 118,000 postpaid subscribers in the quarter ending March 31st. As I last checked the Bloomberg before walking in to do the podcast, the stock was down 15.3%, which is pretty substantial. But if you look at the uh, the Sprint 7 and 7 eighths of 2023, they actually rallied to 113 today from 112.6 yeah, yesterday. These bonds are priced to yield 5.4%. This is a company that 
barely was uh, free cash flow positive this quarter is likely going to have to dramatically increase its capital spending in the next couple quarters as it builds out its 5G network. AT&T came out this morning and said they're going to have to spend over $5 billion just to you know get up to this. And it's losing subscribers. The stockholders are panicking. And the bondholders are, um, I don't know, um, looking at placid, it. Placid. Serene. Happy. Sedated. Well, well, we wrote about, yes, sedated perhaps. Uh, we wrote about um, Sprint in the middle of... Um, it was the last issue of, this, of 2016, December. And at the time, I am chagrined to acknowledge the uh, sprint, the former, the, 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 the issue you just mentioned, the 7 3 H 2025, changed hands at uh, uh, 103 and a half or thereabouts, the price to yield 7%. And now they are at 540. So everything that we said about the credit quality of the company has been, uh, has been I, I think, vindicated. Uh, everything, ex <laughs> everything except the direction of the securities that we were targeting. So uh, that's show business. It certainly is show business in a time of credit levitation and of uh, midget interest rates. Um, but this too is beginning to sound like a lamentation. What what can we talk about, Evan? It's a little bit slightly more less self pitying and more upbeat. The job market. Um, I mean, I mean, economic readings right now are a little bit, you know. On both sides. They're marbled, aren't they? They are. Like uh, GDP growth uh, fell from 2.1% in the fourth quarter to 7 tenths of 1% in the, in the, in the first quarter. Um, but if you look at um, withholding taxes, th those are the taxes that uh, employers send to Uncle Sam as opposed to uh, you, me, or other people who, who are employed. Um, they're up 8% uh, over the last, uh, I think it's 8 or 10 weeks, uh, year over year. The Federal Reserve in its um, statement today on Wednesday said, uh, information received since the FOMC met in March indicates that the labor market has continued to strengthen even as growth in the economic activity has slowed. And that's a pretty good summary of it. While there seem to be more people employed and they're earning more money uh, from, from the withholding tax data, Consumer spending has been pretty weak and would indicate something else. This might actually get into the to the point of what is underlying demand and how much has easy finance kind of stimulated activity. Yes, yes. Well, the uh, uh, the auto market is, to me, exhibit A in this respect. There was a call, was it the other day, uh, Sonic Auto, uh, Sonic, uh, Sonic Automotive uh, was asked uh, to estimate the uh, level of demand in the car and truck market in the absence of uh, preternaturally low interest rates and, and credit stimulus. And uh, Evan, would you care to read uh, from the non-obscene portion of the transcript that uh, was recorded? Sure. The uh, Jeff Dyke, who's the EVP of operations of Sonic Automotive, which is a very large uh, U.S. auto dealer, said, and I'm going to change one word here, that's a heck of a question. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a lot lower than it is today. I mean, there's no question that the incentives are We've got a lot of pull of head coming. So in its natural state, it's probably a 15 million SAR, a 14 million SAR. Who knows? And, and just for data, the auto SAR clocked in at 16.8 million in, a, in April. So that would be a substantial downturn. Well, in closing, I would like to issue another complaint to the world, to whoever is administering the credit markets of the world. It can't be just some, one central bank. There must be a conclave of these guys who, who are doing the, uh, the great uh, big thinking. But uh, there was... Um, there is a security just issued in the euro bond markets, denominated in euros, and the issuer is Netflix, which is the uh, uh, the aspirational Hollywood movie-making mogul. Uh, Netflix is a chomper of free cash flow. It uh, it consumes it uh, by the job lot because it turns out the making of movies is a really really expensive line of work. Uh, so it must come to the bond market, it must return to the bond market as it did in Europe just the other day. 
And um, here are the terms that it met. It issued, uh, I think, a billion three of euro-denominated 10-year debt. And uh, there were orders for something like uh, was it five billion. There was a massively oversubscribed. Uh, it was massively oversubscribed. This single B issue was. Uh, it was uh, light in the Department of Covenants, a fine print that uh, protects the bondholders. Light in that department. Light in yield. To be sure, the coupon was three and five eighths. This is for a single A. Sorry, a single ha, single B rated issuer that is burning cash. Uh, now, the stock has been making new highs, and uh, I don't know enough about this to comment on the stock. Um, perhaps uh, the stock is a, is a good speculation. I don't know. What I think I do observe is that um, uh, for the bondholders, the risks are totally asymmetrical. If things work out, if this movie-making business proves a winner, uh, they will earn this coupon, and they will earn the return of their principal on time. That is their value proposition. If, however... Uh, the uh, market wakes up one morning, the stock's down 40% because, uh, because what? Because Amazon or Google or one of these other monsters, the Midway, has, has bested Netflix in, uh, in the business of making new content, content as it's called. In that case, uh, the bonds would stand to partake a little bit, perhaps substantially, of the failure of the business model. So the upside is your coupon plus uh, principal. Principal, by the way, which the European Central Bank is doing its best to uh, devalue the target as 2% a year. So you get back at the end of 10 years, you get back 80% of what you paid in purchasing power. You get the coupon along the way. Thanks, three and five eighths. And you get to imagine the business risk you're taking between the hours of, say, oh, two in the morning and five. That's when you knew you're worrying. So uh, this has been, I don't know, this is, uh, I shouldn't be ill-tempered because we published another great issue of Grants last night. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. And here I am spending so much of this, uh, this broadcast talking about what's not going right. Well, actually, um, I don't apologize because I think many things are not going right. I think the financial markets are, are being anesthetized through the well-intended but still baleful interventions of the central banks. And I think that we are in for a lot of trouble in the months and fiscal quarters ahead. That's what I think. But Evan, thank you for being here. Um, Eric Whitehead, thank you for shepherding us through this technological adventure. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Till next time, this is Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. 